Yoko, distributor of point-of-sale devices to more than 80,000 merchants, launched recently the Yoko Small Business Recovery Monitor. This was in May last year, recent. This monitor is the only live, publicly available small business transaction data resource. Small businesses have had to continue paying operating expenses and salaries throughout the lockdown a year on. In spite of being forced to close or deal with sharply lower sales, multiple job losses and closures have been predicted by various economic commentators. Of them, and at Yoko, Matt Brownell, Head of Brand and Communications, joins us on the line to talk about Small Business Recovery Monitor, which industries struggled the most during the month of January and February thus far. And he will also discuss, would you believe it, how Valentine's Day brought a much-needed boost in sales for small businesses. Matt, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Welcome to the show. Good evening. It's lovely to be here. You guys have been innovative, which is great, and now we are able to get some much-needed data so that we and everybody concerned, particularly in the small business sector, can respond and have targeted responses in the light of how COVID has had an impact in small businesses. Talk to then, please, the question of the recovery monitor and how, what, 10 months on, it's proving to be effective? Yeah, it's been an amazing thing, really. You know, we, we started the recovery monitor um, in the early lockdown, so in March of last year, really because there wasn't a fantastic set of economic indicators regarding small business in South Africa. And uh, there was just a, really a black box as to how the sector was doing in the country. And we knew that through our 100,000 plus uh, customers across the country, we had a pretty unique set of data that we could share with the country. Um, so we created the monitor in, in March of last year to really be able to provide a daily view of how small business was doing in South Africa. And uh, the monitor works in a, very, in a very simple manner. We take all of the data which comes through um, into our technology, which is you know, point of sale and card machine devices across the country. And we anonymize that data. And mm-hmm. we've been comparing the, the turnover that's been coming through our devices versus the two weeks prior to the first COVID cases in South Africa. So we call that the baseline period. And every, everything since then has been compared to that baseline period to get a sense of how turnover has changed over time. And we've now, 10 months on, have really an amazing history of, of how small business has been affected by lockdowns, uh, COVID, the changes in lockdowns, and you know the recent easing of restrictions. Um, and it's, it's, it's really given us an incredible history of, of, of the small business sector in South Africa. So the monitor has been effectively in circulation for a year now, and you are essentially comparing the last 11 and a half months to the first two weeks. So in many respects, I make compensation for the, or make allowance for the fact that the data won't necessarily be an exhaustive comparator in relation to the first two weeks. But certainly it is something, in other words, before the world of masks and during the world of masks. What in this data that you have been able to collect in the last year or so, particularly the last 11 and a half months, has been a revealer for you, something which you were not expecting or surprised by pleasantly or the other way around? Sure, and you're correct. I mean, there's a lot of seasonality in the data, so you have to, you have to, you know, take it as directional. 
Um, I think there's been a few amazing moments for us which have been sort of eye-opening. Um, the first was just how incredibly difficult the hard lockdown was at the start of last year. So, I mean, we saw turnover dropping across the small business sector by effectively 95%. So in, in April of last year, the lights were really out uh, on small businesses across South Africa. And what we have seen since then is a slow improvement on a month-by-month basis as lockdowns uh, have slowly eased over time. And we've seen vastly different results across the various sectors in South Africa. But it has been an improvement from level five lockdown to level four to level three, et cetera, to the point where we got to uh, in December last year, you know, basically all of the various small business sectors in South Africa were close to back to where they started, actually. Um, the exception really being the hospitality markets or, or the, the restaurants across the country, which have never recovered. And, uh, you know, this is due to a combination of social distancing, changing behaviors, uh, alcohol um, bans, etc. But, you know, the restaurant market has been particularly hard hit over the last eight months. And the best that we've ever seen is, is that particular sector of the economy getting back to about 75 to, to 80% of, of where um, it was in March of last year. Um, in, in comparative, uh, the retail sector has been fairly resilient and has got back close to that pre-COVID levels. It certainly got back there by about December last year. It was quite a soft January. And health and beauty, which is a combination of hair salons and spas, etc., and barbershops, has been probably our, the most resilient uh, industry that we've seen. And they bounced back the quickest after the hard lockdowns um, and are now sitting at you know, close to full turnover levels although that sector has changed you know, and fragmented quite substantially. Tell us more about the sector, because I would have thought with many people now working from home and the less need to be in the formal spaces, less need one, but the fact that the regulations don't quite allow the re-engagement of society to what it was pre-COVID, I wouldn't have thought, not that I have the data to back it up, I wouldn't have thought, though, that the beauty industry and hair salons and all of that would have recovered certainly to near pre-COVID levels, as you have suggested. It's a really fascinating sector, you know. Um, there was when the lockdowns were first eased, there was an absolutely gigantic spike in turnover in that sector. As I think everyone came out of the hard lockdown and needed to get their hairs cu- their hair cut and wanted to go to the salon and get their nails done, etc. So we saw like really amazing spikes wow. happen directly after the very hard lockdowns. And what has surprised us uh, and has been a genuine insight is the fact that. A lot of that has been relatively sustained over the last three to four months. So although it's not completely back to full uh, pre-COVID style levels, um, that sector in particular seems to be holding up better than most. And that that is surprising. Um, it's, there's, what we have also noticed is that there's a lot of fragmentation in that sector. So whereas previously perhaps um, a number of, uh, if I use the hairdressers, hairdresser sort of uh, sub-segment, mm. uh, there was maybe multiple people working for one hair salon. What we have seen is that each of those uh, individuals have now broken off and have formed their own businesses. So they have splintered off from the hair salon and are now you know, hiring the seats and are their own entity for the first time. 
And this is something which is an interesting result of COVID and the fact that a lot of uh, individual sole proprietors have broken off from perhaps more established businesses, particularly in the health and beauty sector. The Restaurant Association of South Africa is at pains to confirm that more restaurants are just keeping... They're going in the wrong direction. The last time I had even engaged with the statistic was something like 3,000 restaurants in the relevant period have had to close down. That's a bleak picture. Would would that in any way have contemplated the fact that more people are probably using the takeaway option, using the delivery service option, and thus there is less need for one to go to a restaurant just, just, just talk to us about the fast food environment and how exactly those figures are painting a picture. Yeah, the, the restaurant uh, sector has really been incredibly hard hit, and I think we've seen uh, incredible examples of businesses having to pivot in this particular sector. Um, whether it's going into, you know, changing from sit-down restaurants to fast food or delivery only, to opening entirely new product lines. Um, we, we've seen incredible stories here, but having said that, we've also seen very high closure rates in this particular segment of the market, and and something between 15 to 20 percent of the businesses that were trading in March um, are no longer trading in this sector, and and that's a very high closure rate. And I think those that are still trading, their profits have been squeezed substantially, and we have seen really fascinating numbers where when the when the alcohol bans were in place. Mm. This sector saw about a 15 to 20 percent reduction in turnover almost immediately, and I think that's probably um, on the low side of the of the reality out there. So, one thing that's worth saying, and I think that it's an important point to make for this entire conversation, is that our numbers are um, largely improved by the fact that there's been a gigantic migration from cash to card. Yes. And because we are um, card devices, you know, we are we are potentially projecting a rosier picture than reality, but due to the fact that um, the turnover has largely shifted from sort of this concept of sort of fairly dirty cash to digital payment forms. And therefore, although we may see positive turnover numbers, the reality may be a little bit different, and what's really happened is that people have stopped using cash when they started using more card. So you know, when I mm, refer to mm. um, uh, businesses being back to pre-COVID levels, it's with that fairly large caveat in place, which is that we're unsure of the exact reality in terms of the shift from, from cash to digital payments. But we know it's happening uh, in a very significant manner. That would be interesting. And, and perhaps I might even want to engage the question then. You probably would get closer to that reality if you would have conversations with small business development, the ministry or your provincial or even local public sector spaces in relation to just monitor that sort of reality against what numbers you have there, Dioko. Is there anything in that regard that you're having as a conversation? Also just to offer a platform that is clearly working and is in demand. I mean, if you look at the fact that some 80,000 merchants are already using it a year on from sort of being launched, it, it clearly does speak to demand there. Yeah, I mean, the the demand is there. In fact, it's accelerating uh, like never before. And, uh, you know, everything from a very, very micro business, uh, whether it be a spaza shop or street hawker, et cetera, all the way through to very large established businesses um, are really shifting from cash into digital payment systems. And Yoko is at the forefront of that. So, you know, we have seen uh, phenomenal growth um, 
we've grown really, we've doubled every year since our, through our existence, and we now service close to 30,000 small businesses across South Africa. So the, the, the data that we have you know, certainly needs to be combined with data from uh, multiple other data points actually to get, a, to get a holistic view of what's happening in the sector. Um, but at this stage, what, what we have always been surprised by and frustrated by is the lack of transparency around um, data that's available out there. And really, which is why the recovery monitor from our side is one of the few sources which, which anyone has, which really speaks to day-to-day reality. That's what um, I'm asking. Are you having these conversations to try and bring up to speed then the public sector for the purposes of, one, that data, but also just to marry the data that you are drawing and the data that they have and to see to what extent it corroborates? Yeah, so we, we are we, um, literally um, in touch with the uh, Department of Small Business, etc., on a very regular basis. And uh, this data is, is available to anyone at any point. We make it available mm-hmm. um, on our website online. And uh, those conversations are happening, um, although they are slow. And uh, I think, you know, without a doubt, there's more that could be done here. And it's the combination of multiple sources which matter. And, I mean, from our side, our technology is uh, increasingly getting out there um, across the, the, this incredibly important sector. And for us, that's the most important thing. 80% of our customers never accepted card before they came on board Yoko. And, you know, they were cash-only businesses. And creating that digital footprint is incredibly important for a business's growth in the long run. That's a point that I actually want to probe because, I mean, the ideological shifts that COVID has facilitated, of course, are great, are great for everybody concerned, not least to the merchant oneself. But because you've got all of this data, how much of the data is available to the merchants themselves? In other words, just to track their progress or lack of in comparison to somebody else with a similar business profile. I'm asking this question because, of course, the material that you have and collect is de-identified. So there's no risk to any individual. Rather, you're trying to in this innovative space that you are already occupying and operating in, you're trying to facilitate more innovation by virtue of almost playing them out against each other on the basis that this is what you could be doing. How much of that data is then categorized, treated however it is to be treated so that it can mean something to a merchant versus another merchant on the same platform? Or is that something that is still to happen in the future? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, so what merchants have available to them uh, in our technology is uh, data on their own business. So what we provide to them with is everything from monthly, weekly, daily reporting. You know, they can see trends within their own business about items that are selling and trends that are happening mm. and sales within their own business. What we don't provide is a, a direct comparative with other businesses with, who may be of a similar profile to them. Um, you know, with this recovery monitor, we've anonymized things at a sector level. So we provide data at health and beauty, mm. um, food and beverage, etc., and we provide that down to a geographic level in terms of province. So there's a degree of comparison that can happen. Yes. Um, but you Where know, one looks at oneself against the sector he or she is operating in. You, you can easily do that. Yes, so, yes. You know, at the click of a button, you can say, well, I know that in the last three months I've grown by X percentage. And if I look at the other businesses that are in my sector in KwaZulu-Natal, I can compare myself um, appropriately. So that is available. Um, and it's something which we have a fair amount of evidence that a lot of our customers are utilizing, actually, as a comparative. Could we get uh, to a point where then Matt is comparing himself to Songas? Yes. Or is actually. that too onerous? 
No, it's not too onerous. <laughs> you know, the data is available on a daily basis, and we have to be very careful with it. And, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, at this stage, it's provided in a manner that we feel is the most useful for you as a business. Um, but yeah, with uh, with a few clicks, you can certainly start comparing to similar businesses in the same sector in the same province as you. Fantastic. Well, Yoko has been at the forefront of certain innovations. Anything else outside what we have spoken about that is in the pipeline? Because clearly now small business, I mean, it's clear, small business has to be protected. They employ always in any society the largest amount of people in South African society. It's especially important given the numbers that, well, we all know one, two, and some of the bleak outlooks that one was able to extract from the budget speech today. We, we, we need more for more protections, I suppose, for small business. Any innovations that can speak to such protections or innovations in general? Yeah, it's the most important sector in South Africa, and I think it will be for our future. So everything we can do in this space is, is going to make a difference. I mean, from our side in the last year, we've had to concentrate a lot on the shift to online payments as well. So a large number of businesses have been forced to shift and to open online stores. And this is a good thing. You know, um, the, the adoption of e-commerce in South Africa is, is, is rapidly rising. Um, we have provided a number of tools that, to allow our customers to also take their businesses online. So we have a payment gateway which allows them to sell with full e-commerce stores um, if they utilize sort of uh, a Word, WordPress and, and, and Wix, et cetera, in South Africa. We've also uh, launched a whole bunch of payment links, which means that you know, at the click of a button, you can send a, a link to, to your customer via WhatsApp or SMS or email, and they can pay remotely, which has become, of course, a vital aspect mm. of delivery services, etc. That presupposes um, ICT infrastructure on the ground, though, surely. Say that again, sorry? I mean, that link facility for persons who are not exactly at the point of service, for them to be able to pay remotely, to an extent it does presuppose the existence and efficiency of ICT infrastructure. Yeah, I mean, literally, that is as simple as sending a link via WhatsApp. That's, that's, that's all it requires, you know. And that, that allows someone, your customer, to pay you remotely wherever they are in the country, and you have that proof of purchase. And okay, you fair enough, yeah. 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 Um, and we also have a capital product, which has become incredibly important, whereby... Uh, as our customers, because we can monitor their sales over time, we can then provide them with pre-approved cash advances, which allow them to really help grow their business. And of course, access to capital is one of the biggest problems that every small business owner faces. And that's the other beauty of having a digital footprint, is that you then have sales records, a history of sales, a history of success, and that allows us to pre-approve to you cash advances, which allow you to either grow your business or purchase more stock or pay your people, whatever it requires, you know. So those are products which are very much part of the, the Yoko ecosystem. And that's our intention is to provide a full ecosystem that people can utilize to start, run, and grow their business from, from, from start to finish, really. You can say pass if for whatever reason you don't wish to answer this question, but Sasswitch was in this game long before there was a Yoko. Where are they in all of this? What innovations are they coming up with? Are they even in the game? Are they even using that name? I haven't heard the name in quite a while. You can say pass if you wish to, for whatever reason, not respond. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, this, this, this area of small business in South Africa is just an incredibly important space for, all, for anyone with technology to be able to provide the services that small business needs. 
And, you know, from our side of the fence, you know, we're, we're spending literally our days and our nights trying to provide the best service possible. And for us, that's what we're going to concentrate on doing. So our customers are king, and we're doing whatever we can to, to help them grow and help them improve. And we'll provide whatever products and technology they need to do that. And yes, that's, that's what we concentrate on. Such a politician. You're very schooled at this. I appreciate <laughs> that. You haven't responded to my question. You said pass without using those words. Final <laughs> comments then. Anything else that we have not covered that you feel strongly enough so that you should canvas in the minutes that remains? <laughs> no, I mean, I think that um, if we look ahead to 2021, um, you know, we are cautiously optimistic that uh, the sector will, will have a good year, that there's some balance back that's possible, and that um, a lot of the, the tailwinds that are happening in the, in, the, in the industry with regards to a movement to digital and to this sort of rapid digitization of small business in South Africa is going to be positive in the long run. And, um, yeah, we're cautiously optimistic that 2021 is going to be a far better year than 2020 was for the sector. And Certainly. Really we hope for the same thing for everybody's sake. But for your time, thank you so much. Head of Brand and Communications at Yoko, Mr. Matt Brownell. Thank you, sir. Thank you. 21.32, that's the show, folks. Tomorrow, one more, and that's it for Feb. The next time after that we're on air, it's March.